Hello and welcome back to another episode of Just Another United Show. My name is Hader Rabani and I'm your host as ever today. This is being presented by Elite Football Show, guys. So remember, don't get confused. We've just got so many shows. Even I'm forgetting which ones are which, aren't I, Mark? I mean, to be honest with you, there's so many shows that I'm just like, yeah, do this one, do this one on this day. It's just mental. But uh, I'm delighted today to be joined by Henry, my good friend Henry. This is the fourth time, I believe, Henry, that you're on the podcast. It's been a while. How are you doing today? Yeah, it has been a while. Yeah, I'm not too bad. Thanks, mate. Thank you for having me on. Uh, looking forward to it. I hope you guys are well as, as well. Yeah, fantastic. And Mark is joining me as my new co-host for this show. Mark's been brilliant on Red Devils Talk, and I'm delighted to be working with him on this. Mark, welcome to Just Another United show. I know you're so excited. You haven't stopped messaging me since I announced that you were going to be on it. How are you doing today, mate? I'm all right, mate. I wouldn't say you're delighted. I mean, uh, there could be a lot of uh, array of words that you've used against me before, but, but no, it's, it's great to be on. Thanks very much and uh, looking forward to this one. Absolutely, mate. We've got some very exciting guests. Henry's obviously kicking off this new series. Guys, we are four subscribers away from 700, so make sure if you're listening to this and you've seen this on Twitter, just jump over to YouTube and hit the subscribe button because there's some very exciting giveaways coming up very soon. Guys, without further ado, let's start and let's jump straight into it. Thoughts on Oli and United so far? Henry, I'm going to come to you first because I feel like I hear Mark's views every single week. So <laughs> let's start, start with something a little bit different. But Henry, look, it's been a bit of a difficult start to the season. Even the staunchest Oli supporters have to, have to agree it hasn't really been good enough. I feel like we're always in a situation where we have a poor run of results, then... Output, Oli pulls it out of the bag. We have a fantastic result. And we never can seem to really build on that. Now, we're two years into Oli's reign now. Do you think it's fair that people are asking questions? Or do you think we have to take into account this isn't a season like any other with the with the lack of preseason and obviously condensing 10 months of the season into nine? Um, I think I think the, the, the preseason excuse is perhaps... A little bit of a lousy one. I think, you know, it's part and parcel of, of this new climate. You know, there's a lot of clubs. They're in the same boat as us in that sense. You know, we're, we're not alone. Um, we're not in a, in a special circumstance, you know, in a singular club sense. Uh, you know, the, the other clubs are in the same place as us. And oh, I agree, you know, Ollie's been here for, you know, a couple of years now. You know, took over in December 2018. And it seems like a, a massive amount of time ago. And it is quite a long time ago, really. A lot of, you know... You know, mess of things happening in that time, both sort of um, in a, in a general sense with, with sort of COVID and in, in a football sense as well. You know, lot, lots of changes with with regulations and you know trialing different rules. We had the five substitutes thing and the water breaks and all sorts. It's been a tough time, um, but I think it's, it's a really tough one this season. I think it's a typical United start to the season really since Fergie left. Some some really good up upsides and, and some really low down points as well. Um, it's been a it's been an inconsistent start. I think it sort of, as I say, sums up Manchester United post Fergie struggling to properly get something together. And every time you sort of look as if we're ready to build something, it's almost like a false start. I think um, it's been quite a few times with results like that. You remember sort of Paris the first time. Um, uh, you know, when Ollie then got the permanent job, we went on, sort of fell off a cliff last couple of months of that season. Um, and the P Paris again now, I think they're perfectly comparable, you know, and then you, then you get some poor results after this one as well. So, yeah, it's been a, it's been a really mixed start to the season. Um, sort of taking a, a proper standpoint is, is hard because I think, as I say, it's been up and down sides. Um, you've got to give credit where it's due. It's been some really good performances. I mean, the Everton one, most recent performance obviously was was really good, really promising um, against an Everton side that we know have been, have been really handy this season. And then you, you see results like Istanbul, which is obviously a disgrace, and the, and the Spurs game at home obviously was an absolute an absolute shambles. But it's, it's, yeah, as I say, it's been mixed. Where I stand right now on 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 Oli is, um, I think you know he still can live off the third place finish last season. I think um, he bought himself time with that in, in my eyes, at least. Um, I massively respected how how he sort of how he got that league that league finish. And then he's bought himself some time with that this season, so I wouldn't call for his head anytime soon. And I think that's sort of how I stood for the beginning of the season. Obviously, things have got to improve quickly. You know, we're not in a good place in the league, um, and you can look towards, as I say, all the good performances like Everton and, and bring them up. But you know, the, the facts are we are bottom half of the league. That's not good enough. That's not what Manchester United obviously need to be. Um, and I know we've got a game in hand, so now. 
you know, we've got to see some improvements pretty quickly throughout the, the festive period. It's going to be a really testing time for, for Ollie and, and the side. So, yeah, we've got to see quick improvement. But but at the minute, um, I think I'm, I'm decently happy. And, and you know, he, he deserves time in my eyes. It's a great response, Henry. I'm going to pass over to Mark now. And very balanced, wasn't that, Mark? But you do have to sometimes question, and where I sit probably is that when you are, I mean, I didn't realise December 2018, as Henry said, mm -hmm. when Oli took over, it's been pretty much two years. And while there has been improvements, a lot of money has been spent, about around 250 million. Some very good players are in this squad. You'd expect more consistency. You'd expect more of a identifiable style of play. Because I just feel like from game to game, like I don't know what we're going to see at West Brom. I know how we're going to set up. But I don't know what how United are going to play because we're that inconsistent. As I always say on this show, we're consistently inconsistent. And now I've coined that term now. I'm going to need to get a T-shirt. I need to get some banners, put it all behind <laughs> me. Because that's what United have been the past seven years, Mark. But it is a frustration, isn't it? Because we've seen managers with uh, perhaps less money spent or maybe even lesser squads looking more as a, you know, as a team, more cohesive. And Southampton's one of them. They've got a fantastic manager and they embody the manager on the pitch. They know exactly what they're going to do. And I know you've been a bit frustrated, haven't you, at that? That perhaps United aren't really looking like a cohesive unit and that's why we're inconsistent. Yeah, absolutely. I think we, you know, as you say, two years down the line, I think you do expect to have more of a plan. And and as you, as you rightly said, you don't know how we're going to play the next game. We kind of know how you're going to set up. And that's what you want in a team. You want you want to know that you've got a best 11, but I don't think that Oli truly knows his best 11 still. Now, I appreciate, obviously, he's got rid of a lot of players and he's brought in players, and that's obviously going to be a difficult transition in order to try and attain that. But but you would expect a lot more, I think. Um, I, I'm... I've been sort of to and fro in the last couple of years, really. Um, you know, when when he came in, he was he was brilliant um, and had a great run of form, and it was wonderful to be able to see that again. And you know, you can get excited about your team, and that's what you want as a fan. It's it's not always about winning everything. We've been very used to that, and and we've become complacent with that. But essentially, you want to be able to watch exciting football. You want to see a plan, and and. And it's a difficult one. I mean, when is the right time to remove a manager? Because unfortunately, as you've rightly said, um, with your coin phrase, we are consistently inconsistent. Now, if we can turn that inconsistency into a good run of games, which we know is all there, it's all, everything is there for that to happen, then, then you would be stupid to think, you know, to get rid of him or think otherwise. You know what I mean? So... It's a very, I'm in a very difficult place with it at the moment. I love Ollie. I love what he's brought. I love the changes that he's made with recruitment. And I know that there's always going to be a problem there whilst Ed and the Glazers um, are, are that step above him. But essentially, he has done a lot for the club and, and I really want to believe in him. Um, I have been getting carried away in the past where I was very much Ollie in. And then very much Ollie out when we go through the bad times. And I've tried to take myself out of that position and try to be very much down the middle because I think that way I don't stress myself out about it. And, and hopefully I can enjoy those great moments. And, and, I, and I do. I really hope that he can, he can prove to everybody that he is the right man to take the club forward. Um, and and. Yeah, I, th I, I still think, again, you, you can't expect these things to happen overnight. Two years is a long time. And there are questions to say, you know, that probably is enough time for, for people to see changes, to see what he's doing. But at the same time, um, it, it, it was a huge, huge job when he came in. You've got to remember that um, the, the whole mentality, ethos and, and, positivity around the club was just not there and therefore you have to then look at that pragmatically and think okay well he has brought a lot and instilled a lot of positivity back the players do want to play I'd have no doubt about that there are one or two questions obviously about particular players which I think we'll move on to later but but we have to 
it's as I said, it's not an overnight process. And we have to look at all the things he has done and believe in those things and try not to stress too much about those negative things. There's always going to be negative things. And it's about ironing out those creases to get rid of those negative things. And I do believe that that will come. That's a great answer, Mark. Uh, before we move on, because I'm going to actually pick Henry's brain on something. Um, but guys, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. I know I sound like a broken record, but there's an amazing giveaway. So I want to be able to give that to you guys if you hit the subscribe button. So shameless, I know. Anyway, Henry, Mark picks up on, um, you know, the sort of style of play, right? And we talk about this United style of play. And I've been thinking yeah. a lot of the, what is this United style of play? Because, you know, people do forget at the end of Fergie's reign, I don't think the football was particularly good. And it also yeah. depended on who was the number two. Like Mike Phelan, for me, the best thing Oli could have done is bring, bring in a number two, one who's experienced, two who plays a more of an expansive style of play. And I love Mickey Phelan, but when he was the number two under Fergie, the football became really boring and people forget this. Now, we talk about this United style of play and a lot of fans say that Oli's bringing back this United style of play. And we've seen it in glimpses. I think Leipzig was an example. I think a few games last season, especially after the restart, was an example. But I wouldn't necessarily say the football's any much more entertaining than it was under Jose Mourinho. And Jose Mourinho was someone who did get a lot of stick for the style of play. I think the differences are that Man United do play around 15 yards higher up the pitch. So they are, while they are, I wouldn't say they're playing a low block at the moment. It's more of a, a condensed, you know, condensed sort of team setup. But it's not too dissimilar to what Jose Mourinho is doing. And Jose was obviously, and I know you're a fan <laughs> of Jose Mourinho, he was someone who was definitely um, criticised for the style of play. And we're still a counter-attacking counter side, in my opinion. I don't think we're we're a pressing side either. We're sort of in the middle. We, we can press when we want, but we're not. A, that's not one of our staples to our game. So putting all these things together, you would, you would turn around and say, right, okay, results have picked up. The team, the squad is happy. No doubt about it, the pain for Oli. But the style of play two years down the line is good at times, but a lot of the times it's not particularly entertaining. Why is the same energy not being thrown towards Oli like it was towards Jose? Do you know? Not, do you not think that's a fair thing? I mean, I like Jose Mourinho. I know you really like Jose. Yeah. Um, but it's a bit unfair. You've got to hold both managers accountable. Now, no. you can say Oli's done a great job, especially off the pitch, but on the pitch as well, the style of play for me is still not where I'd expect us to be two years down the line. To be honest, yeah, no, I completely agree with what you said. And, you know, Jose Mourinho is Jose Mourinho. He's a man that we know the media like to talk about. And we know the media like to bash him um, when it suits their agenda. We know that that's been something down the years um, that they've liked to bash him for this sort of this sort of prehistoric football. I think that it was sort of branded as and has been down the line, which is so far from the truth as well with, with some of the size examples we've broke records in Spain with Real Madrid. I don't want to go on about Jose too much, but, you know, you understand what I mean. It's, it's a bit of a myth, really, all of it. You know, that his Chelsea squad, uh, squad was was free scoring as well, you know, specifically the, the first one, the 4 5 sort of season. The Spurs squad right now. I mean, that's a really entertaining side if you watch them play on a weekly exactly. basis. Exactly. Kane and Son, you know, picking up ridiculous numbers. So, you know, Jose's Jose and the media and anyone else can have sort of, uh, preconceived thoughts about him and no you're absolutely spot on the Ollie style isn't far from different at all and obviously you know the class of 92 you know he, he's obviously got their backing um, and they're always going to try and push their agenda of, of what they remember from Fergie and they want to try and liken it to Ollie they're trying to create this sort of idea that sort of Ollie's almost the second coming of, of Ferguson the constant comparisons I think somewhat cooled down but they were there definitely at the, at the beginning when, when Ollie first came in Um but yeah, no, I completely agree. You know, there isn't a set style of play, really. It is hard to sort of define our style. Um, but to be honest, that, the style thing doesn't bother me too much. and I, I'm sort of in a weird place on that. I've always said firmly, I don't think the United way should really be a thing. I think it almost holds clubs back. I think Barcelona especially are, are a perfect example of it. Stuck too much in their own ideology and, and heritage. Um only appointing managers that sort of fit a certain bill. Um, I think that cro the sort of the Cruyff Easter thinking, it sort of was whole Barca back. I mean, I said at the time when Kike Setien was appointed at Barca, I thought that was a, a poor appointment and they could have gone for someone who was, and I, I know I, I'm in a certain way of thinking on this. I know people will disagree. You've got football purists who, who do like to see football played in a certain way. I, I'm different in that sense. I, you know, results are the main thing for me. And I said, when, as I said, when Setien was appointed for Barcelona, I thought, they could have gone for someone more proven. I think 
Kuman as well is a very Barca Barca manager sort of appointment. Um, I'm not sure how, that, how that'll work out. We'll have to see, obviously, in the, in the longer term. Um, but not the right appointment for me. But yeah, the United way, I think we've got to be careful with that because I think thinking that United has to play in a certain way could hold us back. The United way for me is winning trophies. The United way for me is winning football matches in the most simple sense. Um, and I don't think we shouldn't get too hung up on style, but I do 100% take your point. And obviously, Ole, there, there needs to be a more defining sense of, of sort of the, the way he plays. Oh, Henry, I think someone's shouting at you <laughs> in the background. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I agree with you, Henry. Look, I've... You know, we follow each other for a while, so we do talk. We do talk on Twitter about it, and you've been on the podcast before. And we, you have said to me on numerous occasions, like it's about trophies for you. And I yeah. know you like, for example, Antonio Antonio Conte. He co- probably could have been a good fit at United. There's other yeah, issues yeah. with Conte. You know, I know you like Jose Mourinho. I know you're a fan of Allegri. I believe. I mean, Mark, yeah. I'm going to bring you in on this. We talk about the style of play. Where I come from, it. I think I'm probably one of those that does like a good style of play. You know this by now. You know, I want to see, it doesn't necessarily have to be free flowing. I want to see that identity. I want to see the team. I want to see the system. And when I look at Oli, I think the defensive system is there, clearly. Defensive system is there. Where we perhaps don't excel is, you know, in the final third, where you expect perhaps a bit more um, coaching involved there. There's more patterns. There's more, the players do know what they're doing. For example, if they're playing against a low block, they know exactly how, where to move it, how quickly to move it. The intensity doesn't seem to be there at times. Where do you sit on this style of play? Because I think a lot of fans would even be happy if an Allegri came in, because you know, with an Allegri, there's a chance of winning, but then there's also that defined style of play. Perhaps it's more pragmatic, but you know what you're getting. I think at times with United, one week you see them press, the other week you see them play and sit deep and play with Fred McTominay in midfield. And so you're thinking, what are we doing? Are we just changing it from week to week? So that versatility is good, but then also you're not really developing that primary identity. And is that a bit of an issue for you or am I the only one sitting here wanting to see, see be lifted off my seat a little bit more, put it that way? Um, oh, no, I agree with you. I think... Um... In this sort of situation, you have to, I think you're absolutely right. It is about trophies. Now, it's always a nice bonus to be able to play well and win trophies. Um, I don't necessarily agree with you in, in, in the fact that, you know, when we had Moyes and Van Gaal and Mourinho, I felt that I, I heard more negativity about the style of football then than I do now. I feel that if, if, we, we've seen how they can play and you're absolutely right at the moment. The final third is a big problem, but we know, um, at, you know, as soon as Bruno came in and, and gave us the lift, it was there to see we were playing wonderful football and we were winning games. So we know it's there. Now, if if we were being more consistent and winning more games I don't think the style of football would be as much of a subject as it is now I think that as as it goes back to what I said at the very beginning there that it is about winning games and winning trophies and sometimes you have to do that in an ugly way but uh, as I said I I don't think that you know if we were winning more games I don't feel that the, the conversation about the style of football would be such a big thing um, because everyone would be getting what they want. We're winning games. We're competing for silverware and, and everyone's happy at that point. Now, for me, I, I, I do firmly believe that we are seeing a better team. And I think that's because it goes back to my point earlier. He's bringing in the right players with the right mentality. Now, there's still a long way to go. Um, and, and, there's lots to work on for sure, but I do feel that he it is more exciting to watch. I know it's not consistent and sometimes we don't know who's going to turn up, but when we do turn up, we're great. Under Van Howe, Mourinho, I feel Mourinho sure. too, and, and David Moyes. Van Howe was we, terrible, we, Mark. We, Mate, I fell asleep old Trafford. Yeah, well, if we, if we if even if we won those games, we would still jump on the other side of the coin and say, well, hang on a minute. It was an ugly win. We shouldn't be excited about that. So so we've now seemed to have gone from one extreme to the other, and it would be wonderful to kind of meet in the middle to be able to get more consistency and play like we do. I do, I do feel, me personally, we do play a better style of football. You're right about the identity. We need to have more of an identity. But I think that, you know, when the players turn up, that's exactly how we want we want them to play yeah 
It's a good point. Uh, look, what I will add before we move on to uh, Paul Pogba, because that's what we always talk about every international break. What I will say is that in terms of the, the style of play, I think what's the biggest issue is that Manchester United fan base has been spoiled. We're all we're all pretty young here. You know, well, I know Mark's over 30, but, you know, myself and Henry are 25 and below. Um, but no, we're, we've all been we've all grown up with Man United winning trophy upon trophy and, it, uh, you know, an embarrassment of, of victories. And I think what's difficult is that United fans right now are, are really struggling with the fact that we, we aren't winning. And the problem is that we're so desperate to get back to winning that if I, I actually think United Twitter is actually just, it's, it's lost its head a little bit. It's just gone completely crazy because we want to win so bad. So we're, we're desperate for that quick fix. It's kind of like, uh, you know, that adrenaline shot, right. Of, uh, you know, just victory, victory, victory. And we just want that. And I think at the moment, that's why our fan base is so split. So let's move on to another reason why we're so split, Henry. And we're going to talk about Paul Pogba. The question is on everyone's lips every single international break. Should we keep him or should we sell him? Look, Henry, I'll be honest with you. I've read those comments. I didn't comment on them because I think it's uh, it's the same stuff we hear every, every window. But I don't think his comments this time were actually anything, anything too uh, outrageous. I thought... What he was saying was that I'm not happy with my performance. I'm not happy with the way I'm playing. It's the hardest part of my career, which it is. He's sitting on the bench. He's never sat on the bench, um, I don't think, for this prolonged period. And being a player who I think for the first time United have turned around and said, we don't actually really need to rely on you right now. We've got other players who can do the business. So I think for from that point of view, I think he didn't say anything wrong. I think when you said he went to the France squad, I don't think that's anything wrong with that. I don't think it's anything wrong with saying that the France squad or the French squad is uh, a much nicer environment because he's with, you know, his, his I guess his own nationalities with people that he's grown up with. Uh, you know, it's a good place for him to go and change the scenery and refocus himself. I think the biggest problem arises is when he talks about Real Madrid, when he talks about moving. That's yeah. the biggest problem. Where I sit on this, Henry, if I'm being honest with you, is I think that I think he's really harshly treated. I don't think people are criticising him for the right reasons. I don't think it's objective. I think if you're going to criticise Paul Pogba, you criticise him on his performances. I don't. I feel like what's happened in the past with his comments has come forward to what's happened right now. And people are talking about things that happened before and they're bringing him now. They're not judging the situation as it is. And, and Pogba knows if people... If the British media get hold of any of his quotes, they're going to change them. And that's what I felt happened. Maybe you're, you disagree. So tell me about your views on this, because I know Mark will probably disagree with this. Myself and Mark have uh, disagreed on Pogba a lot. So, uh, yeah, floor is yours, mate. Oh, it sounds like I'm just sitting on the fence with everything here, but Pogba's such another <laughs> tough, tough issue as well. I, I, it's so, you know, you've got such a talented, you know, naturally talented footballer there. And obviously when, when you've got that on your hand, you don't want to sell him. Um, I've always said... The worry for me would be if we were to sell him, where's that money going to go? We know that obviously Cristiano Ronaldo was sold for £80 million. We then saw a window involving Antonio Valencia, Gabriel Obertan and Michael Owen coming in. It, it, it sort of worries me where that money would go. And it was similar with Romelu Lukaku as well when he was sold. Um, sort of just went straight to straight to the bank account of the Glazers. It, at least it seemed that way. Um, so that would be the worry for me, first of all, bringing in someone else, whether or not Donny van der Beek was sort of a minus, what what the net the net profit would be there for the Glazers, 60-something million pounds, or 50-something million pounds, wouldn't it be, if Donny van der Beek was sort of earmarked as the replacement for Pogba. So that's my first one, my worries with selling him. This season, I've got to be honest, I have edged further towards the sort of the sell camp, if I'm honest. I was quite defensive of Paul Pogba for quite a long time. This season has massively frustrated me. A couple of performances in particular, the Spurs 6-1 really annoyed me. I thought that was, you know, obviously... It's horrible to single out a player in a 6-1 perform in a sort of 6-1 loss for a side. Seems wrong, really, especially when sort of you can look at the manager as well with that. But, but Pogba's performance was poor. And I know you can argue all day long about, you know, whether or not his, his body language is what it is, whether or not that's just the way he carries himself or whatever. But it, but it didn't look good at all. It looked lazy, obviously. Gave away a penalty as well in that game and, and did so as well against, um, against Arsenal. Um, so yeah, this season he has frustrated me. Obviously, talking about Real Madrid, it, it's boring. It really is boring for Manchester United fans. We shouldn't have to go through this. And I know you'll say we, we went through it with sort of Ronaldo, but Ronaldo was another level. I think it was it was different then. You know, Cristiano Ronaldo is is who he is and did massive numbers for United. Did us a service as well by agreeing to play one more season. There was mutual respect there, and you know he wasn't talking about. Um, 
sort of realm if you're going through rough patches or, or maybe he was, but but you know, Ronaldo was Ronaldo, a different to Paul Pogba. Um with regards to the recent comments, I believe they were slightly mistranslated. I think I'm right in saying that. There was a suggestion, I think, from certain outlets that he spoke directly about and sort of compared France with Manchester United as a football club, which I think were proven to be wrong in the end. I don't think he actually said anything about the club. I think it was more actually focused on him talking about the France side. And that's when I take your point on it. And I was sort of saw the um, clip from Paulie, I think he's called, isn't he? Paulie was talking about, you know, university, which is a fantastic comparison. I think made yeah. a really, really good point. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Sort of saying, for anyone who hasn't seen that, that sort of, um, you know, going home and seeing your mates from home is sort of a breath of fresh air. And then not that's not saying that the mates with sort of, at uni you don't like them, uh, which I thought was a great, great comparison to be fair. And it made me think a little bit more about it. But I think it's just the um, implicit meaning of all these comments. We're used to Paul Pulper speaking out in the media. And when he does so, I think we all sort of sit up and listen. And there always seems to be this slight dig back at United. And I think talking about France in such an ameliorative, sort of positive sense. Um, I mean, what does that mean for United? He doesn't talk about United in that light, um, which is frustrating for a fan of Manchester United. I couldn't really care less with all due respect what he says about France you know if he plays well for them bonus because that's a United player doing well on the international stage but you know as a Manchester United fan hearing him talk about France like that and then sort of not he doesn't ever sort of talk about United in a positive sense I feel you know he sort of there was a time where he almost detached himself completely from the club well, he, he doesn't have United in his Twitter bio it's, it's just it's, Adidas player this is what I was going to say he sort of there was a massive detachment I think there were times even when he sort of didn't post pictures in the United kit for months on end and stuff like that. And it's just frustrating. And I think watching Bruno Fernandes come in for for sort of a slice of the price, really, wasn't it? Uh, sort of in the end in, in January and having this impact that he's had. I mean, surely it's directly comparable to Pogba. And you can sit there and say, this is what Bruno's done. I'm aware that sort of Pogba and Bruno are different roles. Bruno is a, so Pogba isn't a 10, not in my eyes anyway. I know some people might argue perhaps that is his yeah, best role. Yeah, he's not a 10 for me. But um yeah, that comparison, I think you've just got to look at it and think, look at the impact Bruno's had and even just his attitude, with all due respect to Pogba, Bruno's attitude and sort of the way he's driven the team forward is completely different. And even even if Pogba didn't supply the goals and assists that Bruno has, I think there's still sort of things he could have picked up on and and sort of done better. And that's what exactly what Bruno's done. But yeah, as I say, it's such a tough, such a tough situation. Some very, very fair comments, Mark. I'm going to pick them apart for you. So the first one, which I, I mean, look, I can't actually disagree with Henry. But then you've got to look at the other side of the coin. So Paul Pogba came in with promises, and we all know this. Promises that United, he will lead this new United to, you know, the, the post-Fergie success. He'll lead them to titles. He'll be the face and the brand and the image, because that's what our owners like to talk about. It's about brand and, and money. But... Pogba did have that responsibility. We've said many, many times, Mark, on Red Devil's talk that Paul Pogba, the expectations were way too high. You expected a hybrid of Keane and Skulls, and you expected a player to lead from the front. Paul Pogba's never done that, ever. I wouldn't say he's a leader in that squad. Even now, when I look at that dressing room, Bruno goes ahead of him. I'd say Marcus is more of a leader than him. I would argue, obviously, Maguire, although I don't think Maguire should be captain, but that's another story. I'd say De Gea is more of a leader than Pogba. That's four players in itself that I would say, even Lindelof, talks more. Luke Shaw, someone, I know this sounds ridiculous, but Shaw does stand, stand, get out there and say to uh, say what he has to say to the media, especially after the Spurs game. So Paul Pogba, I don't think that United did their scouting correctly when they wanted a player to come in. Pogba was a luxury for me. It was that icing on the cake and that cherry on the top. You have a quality side here. You want to take it from B to C. You want to go and challenge for the Champions League, the Premier League, win Premier League titles. Paul Pogba comes in. So he's come in and the expectation has been unreal on him. The second part of it also is the fact that United haven't signed enough quality over the years and Pogba wanted out. Now, Pogba said he wanted out nearly two years ago now. And I think to his credit, and it's going to sound crazy, but for me, he said, look, I want to go straight up. I want to leave. United then decided when Oli came in that they're going to build their side around him. Now we're in a situation now where his, his value has gone down. No one can afford him probably now. He probably will go for around 50 million if he does go. If not, he's going to go for free again. Can all the blame be put at Pogba's door? Can we turn around and, to the club and say, one, you should have let him go when he when he had value and he wanted to go and there was, the market was better? And two, could you argue that Oli shouldn't have turned around and said, I want to build my team around this player because now we've got a situation where he's sitting on the bench and, like I said earlier, he could go for absolutely peanuts again. 
Yeah, I echo both of your points, really. I, I think looking at Manchester United's tradition, especially under um, Busby and Ferguson, we never had anybody as a focal point. I think that um, Oli coming out and saying we want to build a team around you was just to appease the situation, diffuse it, make him feel good again, and and kind of end end those sort of those um, negative that negativity and, and those frustrations. Um, I've very much been um, an advocate of Paul Pogba. I I do love him as a player. I know that there's a lot in him, and I think initially the other day. At first glance, I was very angry by what he said. Um, but I think after, and, and you're absolutely right, Henry, over the last few days since seeing uh, Paulie's bit, it's, it has made me take a step back a little bit, try to analyse it a little bit more and, and and not jump on his back a little bit. And I, and I think you're absolutely right. I think... I think um, it's like exactly like the university thing, you know, sometimes like even here, like me living here, sometimes it's, it's lovely for me to go home and see my family. I know that when I'm there for a couple of weeks, that might start to aggravate me a little bit. It's the grass is always greener, isn't it? Um, and, and I, I, it's a, it's a very difficult one for me. I, I think that the fact that we have, um, it's very different under Ferguson. Our midfield was our weakest point towards the end of his tenure okay so now that we've got six seven players that can play within that midfield and we have no idea who's going to start I think that's a brilliant problem to have and I also think that Pogba who should on paper be our best player who isn't starting week in week out is also a brilliant thing to have now the only thing I will say about Pogba is I feel that he should really harness that he should really look at it from his perspective and try to improve the things that he needs to improve in order to get on that team sheet every week. All Every single one of those players should be doing that. Um, the only thing that I can really criticise him for is when, as you've rightly said, um, bring in other teams into the into the uh, mix because that is a flirtation that is going to anger people and that's not what you say. I would never... If I if I my dream job was for, you know, a massive IT company that I didn't currently work for, I would never, ever talk um, vocally in front of my current work and say, oh, do you know what I mean? So it's so, just stupid, isn't it? it it's so it's, it's common sense. You it's just wouldn't really, say yeah, you wouldn't it's say really it. bad. You, you, you shouldn't do that. So he and this is the thing for me about Pogba, too, is unfortunately there are not unfortunately there are people in this world that are flamboyant and generally speaking you either love them or you hate them okay and Pogba is very much that type of person he's gonna do things um through jealousy through um people being envious he's gonna do things and people are gonna dislike that that's just the way that I think he is I absolutely agree I don't believe he is a leader he's one of those people that you want to have at a party because he's great fun and do you know what I mean? So, so I don't believe he's a leader, but it, 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 again, it's a very difficult one for me. But I, I think that if if his price may have gone down, but now is as good a time as ever. United are, are going to know what they want to do, and and if they are thinking about selling him, then unfortunately we're in a climate where they're not going to get a huge amount of money for him. But we have got six other fallback options to fill that void if there is a void yeah and I think it's and I said to you about this last week Hader that I don't think it's um you know he, he uh, Ollie had to play a game against Everton that are playing very well at the moment I know they've had a, a poor run of form um it was a absolute must win for Ollie and I don't think it's a coincidence that Pogba didn't start that game um, I don't believe that Ollie views Pogba as his number one midfielder I don't think he really truly knows where to play him and 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 it's no coincidence for me that he didn't start but that, again 
that that doesn't mean that it has to be detrimental towards Pogba, which is what the media do, and this is why things are misconstrued all the time. That just means that we've got a a plethora of great players. You need to step up, as does everybody else. The competition needs to be there. And if you're on that team sheet next week, great, you've done a good week. Yeah. Um. So I, I and again, I think that um people are quick to jump on those little fine things in between the lines. Um, so it's a difficult one. I think if we were given the right money, I sell would him. probably say to sell him. But I really hope that doesn't happen. I think that it's going to be very difficult to replace someone like him. And I think that he probably does bring a lot of positivity to the dressing room, if not leadership. And and But yeah, if, if someone offers you 50, give or take, I'd probably take it. Yeah, I, look, I agree with that. Henry, I'm going to just quickly touch on one thing which Mark's, Mark brings up. It's about Pogba's flamboyancy. Look, let's not beat around the bush. We've seen it with what's happened to Marcus Rashford and uh, Mason Greenwood. Let's be honest. Let's be completely frank. There is a section of the media who are racist. And the, it's, it's, they do it perhaps sometimes subtly, sometimes they don't. It's the language they use. We've seen it with Mason. We've seen it with Marcus. Would you argue that if Pogba wasn't a a black footballer who who is different right we we have a fan base who pogba's muslim he's black we have a fan base obviously um who and this might be a bit controversial but obviously they revere george george best right and one of the songs with george best i want to go on the piss with georgie best pogba doesn't drink right so again it completely in some ways it alienates him he's also obviously someone that doesn't go out partying he doesn't go to clubs etc again people don't see this and again, unfortunately, there's a section of the media, perhaps even some of the fan base who don't like him as well. There might be racial connotations to it. So he's going around outside of football and he's dancing or he's a, he's coloring his hair. He's he's a little bit different. Right. He expresses himself in a different way. Yet you have your captain. And what happened, what happened to Maguire was horrible. I don't want to comment too much on it. But, you know, that's something much more serious than Paul Pogba going to his brother's wedding and dancing. Right. Do you not think that? If Pogba is so difficult to say because, you know, this is going to be a bit inflammatory, but I'm someone of, obviously I'm brown, I'm of colour as well, but, you know, Pogba's held to a different standard because he's just not, he's not the usual footballer that some of the fan base perhaps maybe uh, relate to more, if that if that makes sense. He's not, someone's going to go out and drink. He's not, do you know, do you know what I'm trying to say, don't you? Yeah. He's just different. And so yeah. because he's different, he's just never going to be liked, no matter if he plays well or not. There's a personal thing to it. Yeah, no, definitely. And he doesn't fit into the sort of the preferred profile of sort of laddish football culture, which I think Roy Keane sort of is almost the epitome of. I'm not saying it's, you know, a bad thing. It's not an insult towards Roy Keane. I think it's just sort of he is that sort of player, if you get where I'm coming from with that. And, you know, players over the years have also fit into that. George Best is a perfect example, as you say, even Wayne Rooney to extent, you know. Um, and, you know, Rooney was also treated... Pretty poorly by the media as well, though. In fairness to him, you know he was he was uh, under the base of a smear campaign. But no, I think I completely take your point. Pogba has obviously been ridiculously treated over the years by the media. Um, I think you know, especially under Jose, the Jose sort of Pogba dynamic. You know, the media are constantly trying to stoke up some sort of attitude problem for Pogba and also an attitude problem for Mourinho, trying to build this sort of dynamic of these two sort of hate each other and it's ripping the core of Manchester United apart. These two big egos. Um, but yeah, there's definitely some also, you know, obviously there is some racial connotations. As you say, Greenwood and, and Rashford, the two players that have also undergone awful, awful treatment by portions of the media for sort of baffling reasons with no real substance as well. Um, you know, I remember a while ago, sort of Ollie sort of hinting at, you know, something with Greenwood saying that, you know, he'd been up too late or something like that. We haven't heard anything since. And it just makes you think where it's all coming from. How how can this even be allowed to be published with no real substance from from the officially from the football club and this is from sort of respected sources as well so it's a bit baffling that the greenwood thing as well this sort of smear campaign we've all seen the this ridiculous daily mail article about rashford buying property which you know you can literally put side by side with articles about phil foden i think there was a one about beckham years ago as well it's just absolutely ridiculous and such a poor sort of journalistic practice to write about a player in that way and obviously as you say you can sort of see the connotations and the reasons they've sort of written that way um but yeah as you say since Pope has come to United obviously he's been massively focused on you know everyone jokes about obviously the, the Graham Soonest the way he's sort of 
spoke about Pogba over the years. Um, it is massively relevant, to be fair, even though it's become sort of a running joke now. It is relevant the way Sunas, uh, not as much now. I think he sort of, when it became a joke, perhaps backed down a bit, but especially, um, you know, a couple of years ago. I, I think it was under the Jose time when Pogba sort of caught it most when he really didn't deserve it as well. He was actually playing really well on the pitch and pretty consistently under Mourinho, I thought. I think the most consistent he's been at United was under Mourinho, funny enough, and that is when the media were trying to stoke up the biggest problems. Um, you know, and obviously he's caught some flack this season. I know Jamie Carragher made some comments. Um, perhaps you can argue whether or not what, what drove those comments. But, you know, I think criticism is due for him this season in some ways with the way he's played on the pitch. Um, but off the pitch, yeah, you know, obviously people make such a meal about the haircuts and, and the dancing and, and whatever else. Um, with whatever sort of gender they try to drive, which is obviously poor, uh, really, really poor on on the journalistic side of things, but um, no, you're spot on. He, he has definitely been treated poorly, and you know, there's definitely some agenda driven sort of comments that have been made about him over the years. Yeah, that's a, I completely agree with that. I mean, you, you've touched on Mason and yeah. with Marcus. And what I will say though is that uh, just to finish it off before we move on, because we've got two more topics, I will say that uh, Paul Pogba deserves to be happy. Deserves to be playing football at, at a level where he's where he's. Um, you know, where he's really thriving because he's a beautiful player to watch when he's on form. And he also should go somewhere where he's appreciated. And I just feel he's never going to be appreciated at Man United. And that's, look, his fault as well. He hasn't performed the way he should. But there's so many other factors to it as well. And I just feel like it's best for all parties if he goes. He goes maybe back to Juventus where he's absolutely loved. You saw Marquisio obviously um, tweeting, saying, we want you to come back. And I really hope he does do that because... He's a fantastic player and he deserves to be happy. Mark, I'm going to come to you first about the best midfield combination. This is a question which will be asked by a lot of fans. And it's a it's a, it's a a topic which is going to probably strike a little bit of debate. So I'll let you go first on this. May Knight currently are playing with Fred McTominay and Bruno Alves as our best midfield. And you've got to give Fred and McTominay a lot of uh, credit you know, where it's due. They've been very, very good. Uh, while they are limited going forward and progressing. We've had problems progressing from defence to attack, but they have, by and large, made United more solid after what we saw against Spurs, which was absolutely terrible. So in that respect, it's worked. But going forward, I don't think that can be a long-term solution because we need more quality there and you've got quality sitting on the bench. So Bruno Fernandes, I think, picks himself. But what would you be doing with United's best midfield combination or who would you like to see? I think there's one certain Dutch player who... Uh, who you will be choosing because I know that you are a big fan of him. You've got uh, Donny van der Beek curtains in your bedroom. So <laughs> tell me about your favourite midfield or who you'd like to see in the long term. Um, I think, uh, to be honest with you, I, d I don't think I have a particular three. As I mentioned earlier, I think it's great to have six players that are competing for three or four spots. I think that, um, like we've seen many times over the years, you, 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 choose your formation based on who you're playing and as i said to you i don't think ollie really has knows his best really i don't think he truly does i think you know at the beginning of the season we'd completely written off mctominay and um and who am i thinking of um McTominay, Fred. Fred, thank you. Sorry. <laughs> Wonderful player, by the way. But yeah, I think we completely wrote those two off. Um, but you've got to remember that in half the season last season, when we didn't have Bruno, those two were really keeping us afloat. Now, there's always room for impro improvement. You're never going to get a perfect player that's going to hit the ground running coming in at 21 and never having to change anything. Um, so there's always room for improvements. Um, I... I for Matic, Matic, for me, is the best. He, he is a very underrated player. And I've said on numerous occasions that Matic is the absolute key to the midfield. Yeah. It's what I, I say to you all the time, isn't it? Yeah, that and, and I totally agree. Yeah. I totally yeah. agree. And, and, and I don't particularly like... As soon as you see that double pivot of... Um, Matic, uh, Fred or, or Scott, you know that we're going to set up defensively. And, and then at, at that point, you're already in defeatist mode and thinking, oh, you know, we're going to be trying backs to the walls and, and, and not really going to be creating anything. But my, my, for me, at the moment, I, I want to see a Matic in a single pivot. And I, and I would love for him to play two games a week, but unfortunately he's just not capable and that's fine. And that's why I think that I'm um, getting another DM would um, 
be good for two reasons. One, because that would have a ready-made Matic replacement. And two, I actually think that then you would probably get the best out of Pogba because I think that um, if he has someone that is really shored up, that's consistent, that's quick, that's good at retrieving the ball and also great at passing, like Matic is, but he just can't do it every week, um, you'll see more from Pogba. Um, But at the moment for me, uh, Matic, um, and again, any one of these can get in, and I feel awful for not saying Fred or Scott, but I think they're fantastic squad players. But Matic, um, Van der Beek, um, he needs to play further forward um, as an, an eight or a ten role. And Bruno, I think that we've seen, I, I don't actually truly believe that he is a number ten either. I think that he just likes to be creative and is very good at it. But I think that, you know, as I think you and I have spoken about this before with Paulie and the others, that um Bruno is actually a very good number eight and he tends to play as a good number eight for Portugal he just yeah, tends to but the, you've got to remember Portugal are quite an attacking team so when you're in a United team that are a little bit more defensive and not very assured you're going to see him not going forward so much so if you've got a a team like Portugal where you are used to um, going forward a lot more and attacking, then you might see Bruno go further forward a little bit more and not see his defensive frailties at the back. Do you see what I mean? So, so sorry, I've waffled a bit, but for me, Matic um, and then Bruno and Van der Beek, I think Van der Beek's been very unfortunate. I think that we've jumped on it a bit too quickly and said he's not playing enough. I think that sometimes there's a little bit of integration. Um, and, and as I said, we've got five other the midfielders that are great Anyway, so it's going to be difficult for someone like Van der Beek to come in, but we need to see more of him. I think it's it, you you can see it in his face when he when he's playing. He it ticks, and he knows what he's doing. He knows how to run into those pockets, and I'd love to see more of him. And I think you'd get um a more out of Bruno with that as well. Very good point on Van der Beek. See where where we disagree, Mark. I'd say so. I did a Van der Beek special with James Rowe, a Dutch football expert. Guys, check that out because he he really gave an inside scoop into. Uh, you know, what's being said in Holland about Van der Beek. What I will say about Van der Beek is that 74 minutes Henry has played out 630. That's 12% of United's Premier League minutes. So we can say that it does take time for, for players to to uh, get used to the surroundings and, like Mark said, to integrate, which is important. But that's still a very, very low number for me. I mean, 74 minutes. That, and you're seeing other players who have played a lot more than him. And every time I've seen Van der Beek, I've been impressed. He's obviously a player with that. He's got that footballing acumen. He's connected very yeah. well with Han Mata. I think he is someone who, as as Paulie said last week on one of his shows, Bruno went into the box three times against Everton. Something he doesn't do enough, by the way, getting into the box. One, he scored. Well, actually, he scored twice. And then he got an assist for for the, the Matador, El Matador Cavani. But what you saw is, what you see with Van der Beek is that he's much more comfortable. He's much more happy making those runs into the box. So Mark's got a very good point, perhaps dropping... Bruno back and playing Van der Beek further forward, but I I have to agree with you, with Mark when it comes to um, to Matic. For me, Nemanja Matic is the absolute key to United being a decent, challenging for top four, or if they want to go on beyond. What we saw with Nemanja Matic was that he set the foundation for United to really thrive, for the attacking players to go forward, for the defense to not be as as shaky as it was, and we also saw the ability to play Paul Pogba now. I honestly feel that if United want to play Pogba in the midfield with the Bruno or let's say a Van der Beek, then Matic has to play, but Matic isn't showing it right now. So what do United do then? Do they risk a Fred with Pogba? And we know with Fred playing in a single pivot, that's why him and McTominay play together because when they're when they're by themselves, they both have deficiencies to the game and they, they mask over each other's deficiencies. But United can't go forward sitting with Van der Beek and Pogba on the bench. They just can't do that. And if we see this against West Brom, then I'm concerned because we cannot progress from defence to attack. And we saw that against Arsenal. We saw that against Chelsea. It's a problem, isn't it, for Oli? Um, yes, it's really tough, to be fair. I think I've, I've sort of said that with every question. I think it's, it's tough. It's just a, it's sort of everything with the United, isn't it, really? It's all tough to tough to dissect. Um, I think your guys' points on Nemanja Matic is spot on. Um, massive fan of Matic, obviously, as you say. Getting on now, can't play twice a week, can't play the minutes that he used to, unfortunately, which is a bit of a shame. If we bought him a few years earlier, um, you know, I think he would have gone down really well in sort of United history as a really good point. I think he will anyway, really, because, you know, he's been a consistent performer. Um, 
obviously can can be a bit leggy. There was a couple of years ago actually where I actually sort, sort of thought he was finished at a point. I thought Matt just sort of had his day, but he's, he's come back and, and done really well. Um, with regards to a three, I think, yeah, you'd have to put Matic in there. And in the best three, as you say, that's not going to happen week in, week out, unfortunately, due to sort of his age and, and the way he is now, sort of fitness-wise. Um, not by any fault of his own, really. He's just getting, getting on a bit. Um, talks, you know, you say that, whether Mark's sort of saying whether we should sort of start targeting one. I think definitely that should be something sort of quite high on our priority list. I know there's quite a few positions where I think people would argue should be next on the list, but um, DM should definitely be up there because, um, you know, some of our, as you sort of the names we're mentioning here, some of our most important players are midfield players and they require someone um, to sort of sit as a base and, and free them up um, in an attacking sense. So I think, you know, someone who I've always earmarked is Declan Rice. I think he fits the profile absolutely perfectly for Nemanja. I know people aren't a big fan of Declan Rice um, and people, you know, would argue that maybe we should sort of look abroad and look further afield than sort of this sort of purchasing this, this English talent, which I know people have been somewhat critical of Oli for doing over the past couple of seasons. But I think Rice is sort of perfectly fits the bill for that. We'll have to see what happens to him. It looks as if he's probably Chelsea-bound at some point, but we'll have to see. So yeah, I'd say Matic would be in my preferred three as well. Um, and Fernandez obviously is. And Fernandez obviously is. You know, he's, he's in everyone's, I think, isn't he? Um, and Mark makes a good point. It's, you know, could he play more as sort of more as a reserved sort of box-to-box eight? And I know he gets about, anyway, covers a lot of ground. Um nonetheless, but he does also play quite high up at times, you know, especially sort of off the ball when you see him pressing, he's sort of further ahead than Anthony Martial at times, which is Yeah, he's leading the press at the moment. I think he does that better than Van der Beek, I'll be honest with you. Yeah, he does. Yeah, Yeah. off the ball he definitely does. Yeah. So he he does the sort of dirty work in that sense. And I think that's maybe a bit of a criticism of Anthony Martial, perhaps not not the the best presser. I think we all know that he's not perhaps the most sort of active off the ball. Um something that Cavani does actually quite a bit more when he's on the pitch, whether he'd be able to stay, sustain that over a 90 minutes, Cavani, we haven't obviously seen yet at United. But um, yeah, it's a tough one for that third spot. I'd usually just say Paul Pogba, but this season it's just not worked out for him. It just, just hasn't worked. And I think that's probably why Mark's gone with Donny van der Beek, I imagine, because in the minutes that van der Beek has shown us, you know, he's been absolutely excellent. I find, I find it very hard to sort of fault anything that Donny van der Beek has done since he's been at this football club. You know, even the, the sort of slightest or merest of touches, I struggle to sort of... My, uh, my curtains would agree. <laughs> and your, your pyjamas, mate. <laughs> I haven't watched them. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's tough whether you sort of go with... I, I still like... I'll take your point, Mark, on sort of sort of Donny being the furthest forward. And I know, you know, when he sort of comes on, he usually operates in that sort of left channel, doesn't he? And really, as you say, as uh, Hayder said as well, sort of sort of uh, making inroads into the box as well and operating quite high up. Um, and you say it's something you'd like to see from, from Bruno more, but it's just whether it would be a detriment to Fernandez. I know he does sort of play. He doesn't really purely play as a 10 now, does he? Cause he's not, he's not a lazy player. Fernandez. I know most tens, I don't want to say most tens are lazy, but it's kind of rare. You find a number 10 that gets about, you know, most of them are quite sort of technical players over the years, you know, players that jump, you know, sort of like Mesut Ozil's, um, yeah. sort of wait around for the ball when they get it, they sort of create, but Bruno's obviously more active in getting that ball back himself. That, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just whether or not sort of you want to lose that and maybe put Van der Beek a bit higher up. It's, it's so hard. It's the biggest, the biggest issue. Yeah. Is that's what I was about to say. Balance. Yeah. One thing's balance and discipline. See with Matic, if it's, when Pogba was fantastic after the restart, I thought he played his best football at United after the restart. And people think, really? But no, he kept it simple. Good. He kept it simple. He was yeah. disciplined. He held his position. He went forward. Um, he was picking passes. He was dictating play. A lot of that came down to Matic. I think if Bruno played a, played in a... We know that Oli likes a 4-2-3-1. I don't see him going to a 4-3-3 with two, two eights because I just don't think that we Matic can, can cover that much ground at the yeah. moment. So... It's all about balance. And I think at the moment, he thinks Fred's the one who's the best at covering the ground. But the problem with Fred, isn't it, is that it's, it's the passing aspect of it. Yeah. Uh, and I don't, I just don't know what United can do. I mean, okay, so just tell me now, Henry. So if you had to pick your team against West Bromwich Albion, your midfield three, sorry, who would you be picking? Uh, that's such a tough question as well. Because obviously, um, in general, you know, I'd probably still just just put Pogba in, just for the balance of it, I think, and sort of the, the quality we know he has. But West Brom specifically this season going off form, etc. Oh, it's so hard, isn't it? It's so hard. What do we start with Everton? Everton was McTominay, Fred Fernandez, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. 
that seems to be the preferred uh, starting midfield, I would say, for the moment. And I think probably he did that because Everton are more, a bit more of a danger. I think that yeah, with yeah. West Brom, because they play a lower block and, you know, in um, as track record tells us over the last year, we've struggled to break that team down. So I feel that this is maybe a really good opportunity. Again, we don't know what Ali's thinking, but this is a good opportunity yeah. for Van der Beek to really push and break down that low block because that's exactly the type of player you want for me but no um, you've, you've, what happens. you've sold me mark i think you sold me i think yeah no it's a good point it's a very good point sort of west brom sitting back i think you're right i think it could be the chance then to try it to try it try fernandez and van der Beek together be interested to see how it goes if he does go with it um obviously it'll be good good sort of litmus test going forward to see if that's something that could be good I, I think in big games it's something you know we'd probably never think about um you know even in a game like everton probably not especially away from home to try them two together. But um, no, you make a good point. I think, yeah, perhaps, yeah, I'd go with that then. Try them two together. And then at the base, probably. Thank you, mate. I'll, I'll give you that tenner later. But thank <laughs> you. <laughs> Mark, you're always paying off our guests, mate. <laughs> no, guys, yeah. Okay, let's move on to the last one. We've got a couple of minutes. I just want to ask you two minutes each. I've changed the question because you spoke a lot about Ollie. So we're going to ask, and this one will pull at the, the heartstrings, pull at the nostalgia that we all have for the man himself. Are you taking Ronaldo back? I think I know Henry's view already, but we'll start with you, Mark. Two minutes. Give me your opinion. Do we take Cristiano Ronaldo back? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would. I think for a, a 35, 36, whatever his age is now, he's still a wonderful player. I think that as we've seen with Bruno coming in, um, you know, of someone coming in with that that stature and, and lifting the club, Ronaldo would do exactly that. Um, I've also seen that when Ronaldo became more of a striker role under Ferguson, it was Oli that was um, the coach of him. I don't know how true that is. No, 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 that story makes me so angry. I'm not going to go into it now. It's, I just okay, think, fair uh, No, no, it's, it's true that Oli was a coach, but there's people saying that, Oli made Ronaldo the player he is today. And that's something no, that I don't believe that a lot of people say that because it's just like, it's just downgrading Ronaldo's hard work and his, his, his work ethic. You know, uh, we, we all love Oli as, as a, you know, as a person and stuff, but that's just, that's again, I'm not saying it's you, but that's just that propaganda that just annoys me. But anyway, go on. I, I could rant forever for about that. <laughs> that makes me yeah, so no, Obviously that's yeah, exactly. I, that's not what I meant. I know that Ronaldo made, he was, he was able to be the player that he is today because of the effort um, that he has put in absolutely but uh, for me uh, we spoke about this last week um, I really I would love that to happen I think I feel it would almost be that fairy tale ending and he would lift the club um, I think he would create something out of nothing which we do have one or two players that can do that I think maybe a not, a, another one would be a great addition he knows the club um, and and I think it would be a a really good romantic thing for him to come back and end his career. So for me, I, I think anybody would be stupid to say no. Interesting. See, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a bit of a Debbie Downer, Henry, and I'm gonna say some reasons why we shouldn't. And I would love him back. Don't get me wrong. I would say yes, take bring him back. But let's let's look at reality a little bit. So one, we're in a pandemic. United's finances are already a bit of a mess. Ronaldo will cost around 28 million to 30 million a season in wages. United realistically do not have the, the funds. Well, they probably could commit to bringing Ronaldo back, but that would set them back years in terms of transfers. You know, you've got to think about what's going to happen. We don't know when fans are coming back. They're saying possibly March. United have got 110 million just wiped off the off the bottom line when it comes to match day revenue. So for me, that's the first thing. The second thing as well is that. Are United in a position really to be bringing back a player who I think works if your team is like a Man City, perhaps, you know, or perhaps like a Liverpool where they're already established. They uh, they just need that little bit of gold dust to take them to the next level. And the third thing I would ask, and by the way, I would take Ronaldo back in a heartbeat. I, all of these things, despite that, I still would take him back because I think he would make a difference. But the question has to be asked. You know, I don't really create as much that many chances, I don't think. I don't think you could say that the issue at the moment is how clinical we are in front of goal. I think we've got more issues in terms of, I don't think the fullbacks are creating enough. They're not enough going forward. So when you've got a player like Ronaldo, who primarily is there to score goals, 
if you're not creating the chances, then is there any point going and forking out that much on the striker? You'd probably be better off going and getting, um, you know, like I said, another defensive midfielder, possibly like a Sancho on the right wing. We, ha we haven't really seen enough of uh, Tellez yet, though. Um, yeah, but I'm talking about the, could... other, the other side as well. Tellez is fine, but you you need both of them. Wambasaka needs to be doing more. But, you, you know, you've got to consider these things that we don't create enough chances. So is it worth spending all that money on someone who will score goals? There's no doubt about it. But does he really take United to challenge for titles? I tweeted he does, but I've had time to think about it. And I, I'm not too sure. I don't think that United are anywhere near the finished article enough to bring in a player of that stature. Now, if you can bring him in plus a few more additions, then yeah, you do it. But something tells me if United do manage to pull this off, money will be tight for a few years. I mean, I, I take your points, but I, for me, just Cristiano is Cristiano, Cristiano Ronaldo is Cristiano Ronaldo at the end of the day. I, it sounds like a really sort of baseless, two-dimensional argument that I'm just sort of using the name and the sort of the stature of Ronaldo to to sort of to uplift him. But I, I seriously mean it. I think he's, you know, I, I could sit here and wax lyrically about Ronaldo all evening. Um, special, special talent for me, the greatest player of all time. You stick Ronaldo in any team in the world, I think he gets goals. Yeah, I think, you know, Strike Ferguson famously said you could sort of play him at any club in the world. Sort of, sort of that was something that he said to sort of um, take him apart from Lionel Messi. I think it was a comment from Sir Alex. But it's true, you know, you could put him literally anywhere. I mean, this Juventus side you, that he was sort of put in, not the handiest Juventus side. I mean, it might not be, compared to ours on paper, you know, there might be uh, sort of debated whether the sort of the, the better side Juventus might have a few more sort of creative players than we do. But, you know, it's not all that dissimilar for me. Um, and he's done really well at Juve, at least in my eyes. I know people will obviously bring up Quagliarella outscoring him in his first season, etc. But, you know, he did big things for Juve, overturning Champions League ties on their heads. You know, the, the Atletico Madrid hat-trick was remarkable. Um, and as, as Mark says, it's such, it would be such a romantic thing to happen. Obviously, I, I can't speak high enough. It's sort of been about seven years, I think, now where it's been talked about. Um, and every single time I've sort of hyped myself up and thought maybe now is the time. I'm not going to try and get to it. Don't get sucked in, Henry. I think we all have, to be honest, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have. We spoke about it the other day. Yeah. It's just, it's too, it's Ronaldo, man. He's just, he's something else. He's such a special, special, special talent. Financial point, I, I sort of take your point. Um, one thing I sort of quickly thought about in a fleeting thought was the Alexis Sanchez sort of wage structure thing. But then again, I think, you know, it's Ronaldo. I don't think anyone's going to go to the board and say, I want to be paid the same as Cristiano Ronaldo. I think that'd be a sort of very narrow-minded thing for the players to say. I think there was maybe a base for that argument with Sanchez. There wouldn't be with Ronaldo. I mean, the shirt sales would be remarkable. I yeah, know that. I'd say that. Yeah, that might the be issue with, the issue with shirt sales, guys, though, the mis misconception, so I looked up this up the other day, is that the clubs only get 10 to 15% yeah. of the shirt sales. So I know you, you guys know that, but just for the listeners, because someone was saying to me when I did a podcast about this the other day, they're saying, well, the shirt sales, this will pay it off. It's never the case. And, and that's mm. the thing. I think while United will net the 75 million from Adidas and then they'll get 10 to 15 percent of the total amount, which might cover the transfer fee. You've got to think about 30 million a year on wages is nearly 100 million. Can the Cubs sustain that? That's the question, really, for me. Well, it's, it's the thing is, and I mean, over the years, we've had we've spoken a lot, haven't we? Sort of about finances, delving deep into the sort of why the Glazers do what they do and how they sort of manage the club. Personally, from a fan point of view, and I know you said it might be a detriment to transfers. We're not spending massive amounts anyway. We're not like a city where we're going to go out and spend sort of two fifty million a summer, and then if we got Ronaldo in, you know, we'd we'd lose like three or four signs. We're only making three or four signs a year anyway. And if one of them's Cristiano Ronaldo, if for one summer that means the other two are perhaps of lesser quality. I mean, in my eyes, I know that's something that people would debate. You know, there's positions that we need to fill, obviously. Um, and Ronaldo, you know, striker isn't really one of them, but no. uh, sort of left wing. Wherever I, I think. Ronaldo's I think fundamentally, if if you sorry to interrupt, Henry. Um, I, I think fundamentally, if United can't do it, they're not going to do it. And unfortunately, yeah. that dream will forever be a dream. But we've also got to remember that Ed and the Glazers absolutely love a dream deal yeah. that everyone can get excited about everyone yeah, but isn't can that, talk about isn't that the whole reason why we don't like the glazers because they're just going to pull the wool over your eyes and say okay we gave you ronaldo now and this yeah. is the way they operate and that's You're and right. then fans will get caught up in the hysteria ronaldo yeah. will be here for two years you'll score some goals it'll be incredible um, but then when he goes, you're just left in the same situation again. Wouldn't it be better to go and buy you're a Harlan? absolutely right. But the thing is, for me, as as long as they are here and they're not going anywhere, then then milk them for it. If yeah. if, if that's going to bring us um, a short-term 
happiness and excitement which they want because it, it feeds good positive um views and uh clicks and everything else that go with it then why not milk do you know what i mean there's there becomes a line i think where you have to say you know what um if if they are going to be um difficult with finances and this that and the other but on the flip side they love um all those clicks and everything then then fine i am all for that yes mm. you're absolutely right this is exactly why we um do lambast them and and that that is a problem there but they're not going anywhere so if they're not going anywhere then utilize that moment to say yeah get him in and and take him yeah, that's, that, that, yeah. That's, that's the thing for me ronaldo and sort of Neymar and Mbappe, those are like the best case scenarios of the Glazers' incompetence, if you know what I mean. And as you say, yeah, milk and joy for it. Let's get let's get whoever like if we can get one of those top 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 tier players in. I mean, for Chris, I mean Cristiano Ronaldo for me is the pinnacle of that. Then yeah, pull the trigger, bring him back. What I will ask you guys, so I'll go with Henry first. Just a one quick one word answer. Does Ronaldo, if he does come in, does he make United title challenges? Can United win the title with Ronaldo and with this current side? Yeah, interesting. There's one word answer. <laughs> nice on Mark. One word. No. I think I have to agree with Mark, but it'll be fun. Anyway, guys, that has been a fantastic show. Henry, has have you got any exciting news for the listeners in terms of the United District? Any exciting uh, projects coming up? Well, we've had a bit of a tough time with it, really. I've been just busy with with things and sort of a few people moving around behind the scenes. But I think we're sort of back on track with things now. Should yeah, keep an eye out. I think I'm looking at trying to bring it back in some form. So we'll have to see how that goes. But yeah, no, nothing more than that, mate. Perfect. I look forward to that. Mark, thank you very much for your debut next to me on Just Another United Show. Where can people find you on Twitter? You're trying to hit that 1K, aren't you? And you you need a little bit of help to get there because you definitely deserve more followers. Thank you, mate. Um, I actually broke the 1K yesterday. So uh, I'm that's sorry all that I haven't congratulated you. Okay. It's okay. So, all right, we'll have a party later. No, honestly, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed myself today. It's been brilliant. Um, and thank you, Henry. That, you've been a wonderful guest, mate. So, thank you. It's, it, yeah, brilliant. Great, great topics. And, uh, yeah, look forward to the next one. Absolutely. If Henry's happy to do that, we'll try and make this a regular thing at least once a month. I think it'd be brilliant. And, guys, make sure you hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. As you can see in the bottom right-hand corner with that lovely little graphic, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Twitter, Instagram. You can also find us on Google Podcasts. Just head over to at EFS underscore media and you can find it there. And we will see you in a couple of weeks for just another United show.